0: Philippians chapter 1. So, uh, how many of you were <coughs> remindful, whatever that word was, and remembered the questions that we had had last week and asked you to pray over? Anybody remember those three questions? How am I partnered with the gospel? How has my faith become action? And what is possibly hindering that from happening? And I think these are questions that we are to constantly ask in our walk with the Lord. Every day. What's it all about? Why, Why were we saved? Why were we set apart? We were set apart for the reason for which we were saved. The gospel. You were saved to go rescue people. Just as Jesus died and gave up his life to rescue us, so we are to give up our lives and to go rescue others. And that's going to look differently for each one of you. That's going to look different from standing behind a pulpit. You are the troops on the ground. This is kind of a command center, a place for for equipping and healing and all that good stuff. But you're the ones behind enemy lines. You're the special forces dropped into the dead of night in scenarios that I could never be in. Billy Graham, let's say, who we all kind of go, wow, that's amazing. They would never be able to touch these people the way that God has made it to where you can. And that's going to look different through each one of you. So I want to ask you, how, how are how are how am I partnered with the gospel? It's a questions we ask, and it's not a condemning question. It's it's a it's a self reflecting question. Now I know some of you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, and you've been blessed, in it. and let's just say in your in your younger years you're extremely active. And now you're just kind of going, wow, I just feel like, you know, I'm not as mobile as I used to be or whatever it might be. God has placed you, as we'll talk about today, where you are to shine His light. And don't compare yourself with yesterday. Don't compare yourself with this person or that person. Go to the Lord Jesus and ask Him, what is the ministry that He's placed before me this morning? What is that ministry? Because in the end, you are not going to answer to me. You're not going to answer to anyone in this room. You will answer to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he is here to empower you today and to encourage you in that pursuit of sharing the gospel. That's what it's about. That's why we were created. That's why we were formed. That we would all be pulled into this family and be with the Lord forever and ever, be saved from sin. and that's. That's the, the main focus. That's Paul's heartbeat above anything else was the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. I live for Christ. And so, as we are going into the uh, next section here, Paul says in, in verse twelve, he says, "Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what is, has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel." The context in which he speaks, he's talking to his churches, is always about the gospel, the good news. How has my life impacted the gospel? How how have my circumstances hindered or helped the gospel? What's what's going on? What's God doing? This is this gospel mindset that Paul has. And he's talking to this church that he loves and has partnered with over the past 10 years. He goes, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me and he's in prison at this time, has actually served to advance the gospel. The word advanced here in verse one speaks of a pioneer beating a path that has never been made before. That's pretty cool. That what's happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. He's slashing through territory that has never been pierced before because of the hardships he's going through. Paul wanted his brothers and sisters in Philippi to know that both their prayers and their financial gifts, and I'm, you know, I'm not talking about trying to. It was a fact that he's writing a letter to say thank you for supporting me financially. That's kind of what's what's what part of this letter is. And he wants them to know, hey, this has not been, it's not wait, it's not gone to waste. It was effectual. What you had had invested in, there's a deposit coming back. It doesn't look like it because of my circumstances. It doesn't. It would appear to seem that I would be ineffective in this situation. But that's not the case. God is actually using the circumstances that I'm in for his glory, for his purpose. The gospel is going forward. Paul also wanted them to know that although his circumstances could look like a dead end for the gospel, that wasn't the case. It was actually the opposite because of Paul's imprisonment in the capital city of Rome at this time. The gospel is now penetrating both the highest ranks of the military in the highest political ranks. Imagine being chained to a guard in the White House. Secret service. This was the situation Paul was under. He wasn't uh, chained to a normal guard. He was chained to the palace guard, the highest of the highest ranks. These, These men were fierce they were in charge of protecting emperor at the time Nero as I look at our city it amazes me of how many opportunities there are to proclaim the gospel you know I was speaking with a brother this past week who's been able who's been able to share with the Lord with some people at work it's been an ongoing process it's been over over you know some time but nevertheless he sh- he's sharing He's getting into people's lives, asking them how they're doing, how he can help, giving them Jesus. Tremendous needs, you know, that, you know, I can't meet. Each of you, when you walk out this door, you're going to enter the mission field. Each of you, when you walk out that door, you are entering the mission field. You know, you're going to be in contact with people at work, at, in sports, in school, shopping. You know, you, you're even going to be in places you might not want to be. The hospital, the dentist chair, you know, dialysis, chemotherapy, whatever it is, MRIs, things that we fear. Who knows, you know? But they let the Lord guide you in your words and your deeds. Amen? Paul was chained to this palace guard for 24-7. Who are you chained to? Don't answer that. That's it. <laughs> But who are, you, who are you chained to? Who are you with all the time? Amen. That's a good chain. But people, what people are you chained to? You know what I'm saying? Think about this in your lives. Kids, spouse, co workers, may it be said of us as it was of Paul in verse 13. As a result, It has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. There are many reasons why people get locked up, especially in that day. You know, political dissidents, uh, you got murder, you got people who, you know, went against the government in some way. They didn't like debtors. Tons of reasons why people get locked up, right? Even today, just... Paul was in prison for Christ. It was evident to all that that's what defined him, even in his suffering. That's what he was all about was Jesus. And because of my chains, verse 14, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. This past summer, we spoke uh, at length about sharing our faith, about sharing our faith. And what, you know, we had that dialogue with our brothers and sisters up here. Who, and we, we had a pretty open discussion about what, what, what goes on, what our process is, you know. And I think that some of the things they had said, if I remember right, were not knowing what to say. You know, I think, uh, you know, Lori said, feeling good, like a doofus, right? Just feeling silly, not having the answer. You know, these things. And it it comes down, if you could boil it down to one word, it's fear. How many of us are fearful? Me included. Paul included. Timothy included, as we'll talk about. Fearful in sharing our faith. You know, the people who surrounded Paul were, were no different from us in those things, although the stakes were higher because they could lose their lives. They could be imprisoned and moved away from their families forever and ever. I mean, there's some serious fear going on in, in their state. Serious consequences. Relational, cultural. Ultimately their fear was being separated, you know, from the people they loved. I think that's or ostracized in relationship, being looked at poorly, not being able to relate. We're relational people. That's what's really important to each of us, I think, right? to different degrees? What if those relationships are severed? These are questions that are difficult for us. As they saw their dear brother Paul, that he lived through their worst fears. He not only lived through it, he thrived through it. And and they saw God's hand upon his life in the midst of their worst fears being acted out. They saw that God was with him, that he was blessing it, that he was with them. That there was the work was going forward, you know. And I, and I think the enemy seeks to keep us focused on what we would lose. And the Lord would have us focus on what we've been given. What is to gain? You know, cup half empty. Huh? I mean, it's really we think about what we can lose. The Lord wants us to go look what I've given. Look what I've given you to accomplish this. power of the Holy Spirit living in and through you. The same power that was in Christ is in you now. But it doesn't get activated until you begin moving by faith. And Timothy, and I love this. Timothy was one of these brothers that was emboldened as a result of Paul's suffering. Paul exhorted this young pastor in 2 Timothy 1, 6-8. He said, this is Paul talking to Timothy. He says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift that God, the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self discipline. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Embrace the shame. Embrace it. Embrace the broken relationships as a result of speaking Christ into people's lives. Embrace that if they hated me, they were going to hate you. Join with Christ. What if Christ did not want to suffer? He wouldn't be here. Brothers and sisters, fan the flame. God has given you His Holy Spirit to empower you to accomplish what you cannot accomplish apart from Him, right? The advancement of the gospel. So, you know, I think this is just a message to us. You know, let's not be ashamed of the gospel. Join with Jesus in the suffering. It's going to look different for each of us. And by the power of God, we're not to do it in our own strength, we're going to do it in His power. And you'll know when the Lord's talking to you to share with someone, you'll know when He's talking to you to be quiet. You'll know when he's telling you to go help someone. You'll know when he's telling uh, and, and asking you to partner with him in some adventure that he wants you to be a part of. Amen? It doesn't all look like this and being able to talk for 45 minutes at length. It might just be a verse. It might be going, you know, I don't know the answer to that good question. It might be as simple as Helping someone out on the side of the road and God develops a relationship that they'll eventually have a you know be open to the gospel. Someone will preach it down the road, that you're part of that chain. But I would encourage you again, don't sell yourself short for what God will do through you. I'd rather step out in faith than fail than not. Amen? Now in verse 15, Paul spends some time speaking about various motivations of people for preaching the gospel. This is fun. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. I'm not sure if when Paul was younger in the ministry, he might have been saying this. But I think through time and suffering, he just wanted to see God do his thing. That's a personal thought. But sadly, he's pointing out that people preach Christ out of impure motives. People can, can be a part of the ministry, be a part of church, be a part of what we're supposed to be about for impure motives. And I'm just talking about pastors. Although, yeah, they definitely target number one, right? But, I mean, it's amazing. And I would say it's prevalent how competitive churches are. Competitive, competition between us. You know, the competitive spirit is carnal. It's carnal. It's of the flesh. We're on the same team. We're not jockeying for position. Come to our church because our pastor teaches expositionally. Because our pastor teaches topically. Because we have great PowerPoint. Because we have great the rock and worship team. Look at our youth group. We offer something that no one else does. Come here. Look at us. Now, are those things wrong in themselves? No. But do you see how easily we can get wrapped up in this stuff? Should we strive for excellence? I think we should. I want to give God the glory. Should we provide the best things for each of you as to minister to you? I, I want to do the best we can. But that's not the end in itself, it's so that you're equipped and God is glorified. Let's see Jesus lifted up, amen? The focus should end up being directed towards God. Jesus should be lifted up for the sake of the gospel, not for our success. Success is not how many people on the room, it's how many people are brought to Jesus Christ, one to Jesus Christ, discipling them to obey Christ's teaching, which is what? To love one another. Are we loving one another? You know, that's success in Jesus's book. So that we would go and make disciples. So we're to disciple people, to follow Christ's teaching, to grow up in him, so that we go make disciples and do the same thing over and over, gathering people in in the kingdom of God, to the glory of God, increasing in love, increasing in good works. And if a church down the street is being blessed by the Lord in a certain area, guess what? We're blessed as well because we're on the same team. Praise God that they are bringing people to Jesus and baptizing people and they have a rock and children's ministry or whatever it is. Let God bless them. May those people grow up in the Lord and be strong and bring many more people to him. Amen. Amen. All right. Tim, awesome. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Verse sixteen: There are those who recognize Paul's ministry and God's blessing on him, and it was nothing to be jealous of. They preached out of love. They're going, we're on the same team. We love him. We know that he's been put there. It's a hard situation, but he's in a place that we can't be, and he's on our team, and he's doing some awesome, great stuff for God. He's he's defending the gospel with government, with high government, and all these places. He's in a place of influence. This is not, oh, why aren't I in that place of influence? Why aren't we in that place of influence? Isn't that a coveting thing? It's praise God. Let's pray for him, that his ministry would be blessed. The former, verse 17, preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. I'm so glad that Paul's in chains because now I have the competitive edge. Boy, I'm glad. Oh, I'm so sorry that things are going well for your church. Maybe more people can come here. Boy, that's the evil stuff. We're all people. We're all fallen in these areas and just look at it in different ways. Paul's just saying, look at Paul's heart. He's a I don't care. Now, obviously, if he, they were in the room, he would rebuke them and correct them for you know motives and things like that. But he's just saying, in the end, Christ is preached. People are being one. God works through broken people. We're not going to be perfect 24 hours a day, seven days a week in our motives, are we? We're not going to be excellent. We're going to have little competitive things that we get going on. But may we be about the gospel, and may the Holy Spirit work in our hearts to correct us and pull us back towards grace. Amen. So I love this about Paul. In verse, and he goes on the last part of verse 18. He says, "Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance." Paul knew that the Lord was in control of all the events that were going on, even through his imprisonment, uh, even though his uh, imprisonment and his impending trial before Nero didn't look like a good situation—not good. But Paul was trusting in the Lord, and Paul's mind here, in Paul's mind here, there are two important components of his deliverance. His hope was kind of. Put in ultimately in the Lord, but he goes, guess what? In your prayer, by your prayer, and by what's number two? By God's provision of the Holy Spirit. Prayer in the Holy Spirit. Very interesting. Paul's needs were met by the Spirit of God, but that provision to Paul was brought about by the prayers of the Philippians. Prayer impacts people ministries strongholds people who are just downcast and hurting here's an interesting thought just a thought what if people didn't pray could this affect paul's deliverance it would seem so in paul's mind you know i think about that I you know. I, I look at uh, some areas, you know, and people in lives that I love in my life. I'm just going, Wow! Faith. If if got together and just prayed for that person, just really just sought the Lord and really just pray. Maybe God would pour out His blessings upon him and break through this. And I'm not talking about just a, you know. May hey God help them. Amen. But, I mean, just seeking the Lord for Him. You know what I mean? So prayer is important. You know, we, we, we set aside the first Sunday of every month to, to pray. So I invite you to come and pray. We have home fellowships. And, and I see you guys so often. Ladies gathering together weekly, praying for one another. That is so awesome. Upholding the church, praying for me you just lifting up one another. You know, Mike, I don't want to call you out from back, but I was over at Artie's and he was hurting pretty good. And The phone rings and Mike's on the phone. Let me pray for you. You know, ministry of prayer in the church. When nobody else knows it's going on, God sees, God is moving. Don't stop praying, brothers and sisters. Keep going. Keep praying, dig further, go for it. This is where the victory is. It's not in all the shiny things. It's in the spirit. Let's press on towards these things this year. I eagerly expect, verse 20, and hope. In other words, these are words they're saying, I am positive that I will in no way be ashamed Paul trusted that God would not turn from Paul. He was with him. He was confident. He wasn't in a situation because he was in trouble. He was right in the middle of God's will. But will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether in life or death. Is Christ exalted in our bodies? Paul also trusted that Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or death. Paul admits to the Philippians that he may not be released from this present imprisonment. He doesn't know. But it may actually result in his martyrdom. He might die. But he was determined in his heart that in the circumstance he was placed in, he would give glory to Christ. That's hard. I like what David Guzik said about this. Paul lived his life not to preserve and promote himself, but to glorify Jesus Christ. And if Jesus should one day decide that Paul could be best glorify him through laying down his life, this was nothing to Paul. But he didn't live to preserve himself. He lived to glorify Christ. And no matter what that meant, by his life or his death, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain, verse 21. If I'm going to live, going on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. God's going to be with me. Things are going to happen for the kingdom. It's awesome. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. Like what's going to happen? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. How many of you just go, ah, Lord, check me out? Tired. Want to go home. Struggle with that, especially if you experience a lot of pain and trials in your life. But it is far more necessary for you that I remain in my body. Notice Paul's just thinking of others, thinking of others, what's best for others, even in my own life, whether I stay or go. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. And I will continue with all of you for your progress in joy in the faith so that through, that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. This is how Paul lived to glorify Christ. He lived to bless others. Even in dis- difficult situations, he's contemplating his demise, yet he just is thinking, you know what? It's better for you that I stick around. Even though I'd rather go. This is his life he's talking about. It's pretty good stuff. And he ends the chapter by, uh, chapter one by giving them some instructions while they're apart from each other. Verse 27, whatever happens, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner, manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. That word conduct means citizen. Act as a citizen of the kingdom of God. Represent, you know? Do it well. Live up to the calling. Whatever happens, act like where you're from. Then, whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for faith in the gospel. Paul wanted them to know that they were accountable to, to, to him. He was going to check up on them. He was their spiritual father, so to speak. He loved them. He'd burnt that church, you know. He'd been whipped and beaten. He'd cared about them. he checked up on them, find out what was going on. Paul wanted them to stay together, to not be fractured or divided. He only didn't want them just to stay together, but to be unified. To be unified, not fractured, right, but to be put together. But It's not just being put together. It's for a purpose that they are put together and galvanized. That the unity was for a purpose, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Their purpose was the gospel. I want you to be together, not just to to have fun and be a country club. I want you guys to get together and go shine the light of Jesus Christ. That's what it's for. That's why we are here. I want you to go for it. Amen? They were to put that unity into action. Verse 28, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Will there be those who oppose you? Yes, there are people who oppose them. They will oppose us. Plan on it. Mark it on your calendar. Write it in your diary. Whatever you need to do, just know that it's going to happen. There will be opposition. The word frightened, without being frightened here, is terrified. And in the Greek, that gives us the picture of startled horses going crazy. Don't be like that. Don't be terrified. Don't be, ah, let's get out of here. Don't do that in the face of your adversaries. And that implies be bold. Be bold. And this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved. And that by God. Again, faith in action. They aren't going to give into their fear because they trust that the Lord, what, what he says, will come about in time. Their hope is in him, not in present circumstances. The Lord will, uh, they will be saved by God. Their enemies, the enemies of the gospel will be destroyed. And that word destroyed means perdition, meaning destruction or wasting or damnation. It's talking about the end, the judgment. They're going to get it. Be bold. Know what's going to happen. Stand, stand firm in the faith. Why don't the Philippians need to be afraid? Because the trials and tribulations that they were going through were ordained by God. Verse 29. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. This is God's purpose for them. God has put these things in motion that they would suffer That's hard. Why would God do this? Why would God allow suffering in our lives? I think it provides tremendous opportunity for faith. I think it provides provides tremendous opportunity for endurance. It shines, Jesus, when you see people suffering and yet they have joy in their lives. They're being refined. Because in this earth, the most important thing to us is comfort. One of the things, and peace and safety, right? And in God's economy, those things are important, but not at the expense of faith, not at the expense of trusting him, because this is all going to go away. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, And now here that I still have, that was verse 30. Their current trials were not a punishment, but rather a tool in God's hands. The word for suffering here in the Greek, where it says, uh, since you're going through the same, uh, I'm sorry, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. That word is Pasco, with a K, kind of funny. So when you think of Pasco, think suffering. What Paul was getting at... (laughs) With a K. <laughs> Got to poke fun at Pasco, that competitive edge, you know. What Paul was getting at with them was that if they had the same kind of struggle, that word struggle is, is agon, was where we get the word agony. If you get the same kind of agony that Paul is going through, you're going to have the same kind of joy. Pretty cool, huh? And I would say that if we live like Christ, he promised that we'll be persecuted. But if we choose to lose our lives for him, we will experience his joy in a way that we would not if we had chosen to hold on to our comforts. Unless a grain of wheat, of corn, falls into the ground and dies, nothing will come of it. We live in, we are part of the kingdom of God. We are aliens on this planet. This is not our home. And we're to represent, we're to be a slice of heaven for this dark and dying world. This is what we're here for. So during our stay here, let's live as sojourners. Let's live as nomads. This is not our home. does it mean we cannot, you know, have houses and things like no, that's that's nobody's talking about it. Just live like it's gonna be going away. Don't let it rule your life. Amen? Use it for his glory. I want to close the service with communion. I think this fellowship of suffering is is a very important thing. Um, You know, uh, the challenge for this week, I think, is the same as last. But how can I join with Christ? in his mission for my life for CCF and the people around me how can I join further in that in that mission how can God take a little bit more ground in my life and the people around me and the places that he's placed me to be a missionary a, a representative of Jesus and just prayerfully ask him Lord If this involves suffering, may I just embrace the cross and give me the power to endure. And, Father, if it means I lose some precious relationships to me, may it not be out of silly things I say, but may it be be because of the cross. And I pray in the end that those people would come to know you. And I pray that when I stand on the other side, that I didn't hold anything back. That I have nothing to be ashamed of. That I laid it out on the table. I lived for you. I was abandoned to God. I was a bondservant. So communion, I think just today in, in thinking about this, I just want to provide an opportunity to take our fears before the Lord. And I would think that communion reminds us of suffering, his suffering for us, what he endured, what he gave, what he did for each of us, amen? We think of those things. And not only that, but that we not identify, that we would identify ourselves as his disciples. I am your disciple, Lord Jesus. You chose me I did not choose you, so to speak. You know what I mean? He came and he sought us out. We responded, said yes. We're his disciples, his messengers, his ambassadors, and may we, as Paul said in Philippians chapter three, verse ten, which you'll we'll get to in a little bit, say this: I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his rex- resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. So somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. I want to know him. I want to know him in his suffering. I want to identify with him in every level. That's what it is to be a Christian. I want my life to reflect yours. He's given us each different fingerprints. And I would say that your ministry is going to look as different as your fingerprint on your finger. He's called you into his kingdom to bear fruit for his glory. He loves you. He died for you to take away your sin, but not only to take away, but to give you the power of the Holy Spirit to live that life. Amen? So if the guys could uh, pass out both the elements at once, we're going to do both the elements at once. I'm going to play a song, and then we're going to to go ahead and finish up the service, okay? So worship team, come on back up. Not that I have already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Jesus took hold of you for something. Let's press on. Amen? Remember, Lord Jesus, that your body was broken and bruised, torn, for us. Not only that our sins would be forgiven, we thank you for that, but that we would have the same life that was in you. And so we love you. We remember you now. let's take the bread together. Lord, this tiny cup that we hold it represents the world's And we ask, Lord, that your blood would cover a multitude of sin. In our lives, Lord, they thank you that it has. Thank you that it will. And we pray that it would do that for the people who surround us. We ask for your Holy Spirit to fall upon this church, this gathering, so you would have the glory. Thank you for dying you for living. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward this goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are made, who are matured, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently than that, that too, God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live well as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. That is our hope. Take hold of that which Jesus took hold of you for, to live as Christ. Amen? God bless you guys. Let's uh, let's all stand, and we can go ahead and get dismissed. <laughs> Father, as we go, we just ask that there would just be joy in our hearts. We ask that as we come uh, upon resistance to your gospel, that your spirit would be with us, that you would cut a path that we could walk into it today. We lift up those people who surround us in our work, who surround us at home, those people we're chained to. Pray that it become evident that you are the way, the truth, and life. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great week, and we're going to be praying here in ten minutes.